Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I am your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us today for the 201st episode of the Event Horizon is Arlene Busby. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is neat. You're working on something pretty big. Well, um, it all started uh, oh, about two years ago when I took over as president for Aerospace Legacy Foundation based out in Downey. Um, I discovered that we don't have a lot of money in our account, and we need to bring money into the account. But also because our mandate is education. And we go around and we speak at engagements, we go to schools, uh, anywhere anybody wants us to talk about space and space history, we're there. Well, I thought, well, we're a little small, we're the best known secret in, in, in the aerospace industry. So I said, we need to be more public. I said, the best way to do that is to use my experience in con running and create a convention so that we can hit more people. Um, maybe hit's not the right word. Slap around, maybe. Might be better. <laughs> yeah. So, it so, sounds anyway, fun already. We started this uh, convention called Outer RimCon. And this is our second year. Uh, it's being held on October 13th uh, and October 14th. It's only a two-day convention at the Columbia Memorial Space Center in Downey. So um, we have... A bunch of things we're doing. We're, of course, having panels. We're doing presentations. We are going to have some STEM events going on. We have an art show. We have, we have a dealer's room. There's just, uh, so much happening in this small little space that's to help us to not only bring space history to the forefront, but also to to make people to that makes the wrong word to help people remember our past and look forward to the future so it's really important for us to do this convention and have it be successful because one of the things that really bother me is you know you taught history in school but none of it ever includes the space program um so we do the lectures we go to schools we educate and all that other stuff because Otherwise, they won't learn about it. It's not like you, you're in a normal home uh, doing normal things, whatever normal may be, and you sit there with your kids and say, hey, do you remember when the Apollo 1 blew up and we lost all these astronauts? Or 
the time we landed on the moon, that's not part of a day-to-day conversation that people have. Who was it? Our house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really quite uh, discouraging sometimes because even, even though I'm an enthusiast, even before I met my husband, uh, Jim Busby, um, who left left us all uh, two years ago, even before I met him, I was already a space enthusiast, and I had nowhere to channel all that. So he gave me the opportunity to be part of Aerospace Legacy Foundation and uh, really express my feelings about the space program and the history of the space program and also what's happening currently. So what did so you this- tell us about Jim? Oh, my goodness. Um, Jim Busby, or Dr. Jim, as he liked to be known, mm-hmm. was a space historian, um, very well known, new astronauts, new engineers. Um, he was into modeling of uh, spacecrafts and things like that. I mean, he would read a book on something and he on, on space and he would memorize it after the first reading. That's how brilliant my husband was. Even if you said that to him, he would go, no, 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 I'm not smart. But he was very intelligent in regards to the space program. Um, he worked with the Aerospace Legacy Foundation as their publicist and uh, was about to take the presidency when he passed away. He never got a chance to serve as president, uh, which was a big shame because he had talked to me about wanting to do so many things and to promote space and to really pick up our speaking engagements. And he was one of our top um, speakers along with some of our other board members and um, advisory board people um, who went out and did all these educational things. And I thought we should never, ever lose an opportunity to educate. What happened was when Jim passed away, We had a speaking engagement come in, and we only had two or three speakers in our organization. So um, we had to refuse it because we didn't have anybody available to take it. And I was so disappointed. It It was a very important speaking engagement. And I thought, what a loss that we weren't there to inform people of our history, uh, space history, um, Going as far back as you can remember, I mean, even to the SpaceX program when uh, I'm not SpaceX program, so you're going to cut that part out. <laughs> um, <laughs> even including the um, the X planes and so forth like that, where the uh, the X-15 was the first X plane to ever touch the darkness of space, even if it was for a few seconds, those planes were designed to go into space until the Mercury and the um, Gemini and the Apollo programs came into being because they shifted away from the, the X planes to pursue that type of space travel. Now, did you know that? No, I did not know that. I, I had been uh, an enormous fan of of space space exploration. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to edit that part out too. Space yeah. exploration. It's the the teeth I'm tripping on. I've only had them for sixty one years. You'd think I'd <laughs> learn them by now. Uh but uh I would read about the exploits of Chuck Yeager and the X fifteen 
and my heart was was in my throat reading about it, you know, just reading books about it. And uh, and then later I got to see footage of the actual X-15 in flight and got to hear about what that experience was like. And, Amazing, uh, right? Oh, Amazing. gosh. You know, it's Can like being the pilot on that on that flight <clears throat> and being first man, uh, not machine to see the darkness of space and and the twinkling stars. That must have been amazing. That you m- know, it must have been. So, you know, these are the types of things we talk about. Uh, one of our um, members, the former president of Aerospace Legacy Foundation and also uh, now our advisor uh, on the advisory board of of the organization, and um, he worked on the space. Uh, the, I'm doing it now again. He worked. I'm sorry. On what is his name? X15. Yeah, he worked on the X15. He worked on everything through the shuttle program. I'm sorry. And Can his you- name was. Oh, I'm sorry. His name is Jerry Blackburn. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry, Jerry. Yes, he's an amazing man to talk to, as are some of the other uh, board members and members of our organization who all worked in the industry. Now, not all of them. Most of them worked in the industry. I'm a layman. I've never worked in the industry. I'm just an enthusiast. And um, being introduced by my husband to all these different people that he knew in the industry was amazing. I mean, by nature, although you may not believe this, I'm actually quite shy. (laughs) So... For me to be introduced to all these different people in the who, who not only were astronauts but also engineers on these programs, I was I'm always amazed at when they start to talk about their experiences, how exciting. I mean, can you imagine being there with a slide rule, <laughs> trying to figure out your deck? trajectories and all this all manually before the 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 computer age and 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 making sure i mean look at the apollo 13 uh situation they all had to do this in simulators and calculations all by hand to save those men up there but they did it they did it it's just the celebration of man the best and most important moment in space other than the, the first man on the moon it was just a, a, a crowning achievement. And, and it, you read it, it, uh, the uh, the idea of using slide rules to put men into space. Well, there wasn't – didn't at the time it didn't seem so remarkable because you don't miss what you never had. I mean that's what there was. They were darn, yes. darn yeah, happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and in the, uh, the early novels of uh, uh, E.E. E. Doc Smith, the Lensman <laughs> series – um, they, t- all the, uh, all the computations were done by the slide rule boys. You know, <laughs> they were yeah. in the, um, he, uh, Heinlein's books too. Slipstick Libby. Yeah. And, and, uh. It's amazing what man achieves. It really is amazing what man and women. And women. Mm-hmm. Because women were very important in the early space and, uh, space, uh, industry. Um, <laughs> People you don't hear about, not until Hidden Figures came out, did you even know women were in the program? Yeah. So yeah, that's true. That's what we teach. As a Christmas gift, um, I guess about 15 years ago, I received a small spool of paper-punched tape. And it- <laughs> 
I'm and, laughing because I learned computers on those kinds of cards mm-hmm. in, the, in the very beginning. Yeah, this is well. This is this is a single single column punched tape, and it's like zero. Uh, uh, not not single column. I guess it was a uh, five column punched tape, and mm-hmm. uh, it represented uh, it represented nibbles. Uh, a nibble is half a bite. <laughs> And uh, the spool of tape was part of the computer program that put the Apollo lander on the moon. And the navigation computer ran on paper tape. Oh, my gosh. And it's, I can't imagine anything more terrifying than going up. <laughs> in, basically, you're spamming a can. And yeah. your, your nav computer runs on a piece of paper. And God help you, you know, if you're tear it. Yeah. You're screwed. You know, it's- it's so funny because everybody thinks of astronauts of being these big, burly guys, uh, tall or whatever. But they were actually very skinny, very short men because they well, had saves to weight in the capsule. Yeah, <laughs> saves fuel that way. Yeah, yeah, well, they were sealed in like spam in a can, and mm-hmm. and that's an expression that's been around because of the tightness of the uh, capsules that they have to be in. And I think that where we go now is so important because let's say we're going to Mars. You can't be spamming a can and be going to Mars. No, Not if you're no, in you there can't. for six months to a year. Yeah. Well, that yeah. phrase actually you came up so. <laughs> uh, during during the Mercury era. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. so much get into a Mercury capsule as put it on. And, <laughs> yes. and, and, yes, uh, the exactly. astronauts lobbied hard. I mean, the, 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 uh, the engineers did not see the need to put a window in the spaceship. Yes. They did not see the need to do it. And, uh, exactly. uh, the, uh, the astronauts lobbied hard to put little windows in that spaceship because otherwise, what's the point of putting a human being in there? Well, if- let's, let's, let's look at it this way. In the early days of, even when the space program was just uh, something that was put on a piece of paper and never and not really worked on yet, but just discovering it. You've got all these test pilots. Just about everyone uh, in the early days of the space program were former test pilots. These brave men risked their lives every day flying an experimental aircraft to to keep it safe for future people, to see what they could do, to break the sound barrier and how much further they can go. And in preparation, they didn't know it at the time, but in preparation, they were the ones with the education and so forth that were picked to be part of this uh, program. And, and Mercury, uh, well, actually, starting with the X-Planes, then the Mercury, then to the mm-hmm. Gemini program, and then to... Uh, the Apollo program, all of them were were test pilots at one point or another for the Air Force, for, you know, whatever service they were in. Everybody had a program of some sort. Well, because uh, if anything went wrong, you want a test pilot in there because he's going to be the creative thinker that keeps the thing in one piece long enough to land it. Right, which is why they wanted the window. They felt so helpless and so so isolated from from. Being in space, the experience of being in space, they they said, we're pilots. We want to see where we're going. And so the window appeared eventually after a lot of fighting about it and pressuring. But and it, it was it not a very big window either. It, it wasn't a very big window either. We're talking about no. a, a piece of no. – uh, 
It wasn't even glass. It was the first one was quartz, as I remember, a thick piece of rock. Well, when did the <laughs> um, the Pyrex or, or Corningware stuff come in? Oh, that had to be a little later. I'm not sure about that. I'm sure somebody out there knows the answer to I that think, one. I think that started in the Apollo. That uh, late? It's yeah, that late. It yeah. started in the Apollo because the window got bigger. Well, the initial so the initial use of it was for the uh, for the no, the uh, the tip of the the aircraft the the nose cone, not the window. <laughs> ah, as well, as I remember it, so, I, my 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 memory may be faulty. I don't know. You're probably right. It's more than more. That's more of a technical thing than than I would know. Um, but um, I'm sure, like I said, somebody out there knows the answer to that question, and I'm sure they'll find a way to let everybody know. Um, but yeah, it's an don't... exciting history, and we shouldn't forget it. And that's and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's because I mean, you two know me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been inv- involved in science fiction conventions. I've programmed a lot of lost cons, free plug lost cons. Mm-hmm. And and um, one of the things I always loved to program more than anything else was the science space stuff because. Uh, the robotics, uh, the history, the, everything about it just intrigued me. And so this was a natural progression for me to become president of Aerospace Legacy Foundation and start this convention because I feel it's a very, very important element to make sure our past is not forgotten, but we can still look to our future. So, I mean, you know, I was... Um, I was involved in another space convention not that long ago, and my feeling about it is, because they were all about today and tomorrow, but not about the past, uh, but we still had panels there. We st- I still paneled uh, uh, Saturday several panels with my people on um, several different types of history stuff, and we had a pretty good-sized room of people who were interested in it, so it's not a dead science, and I said, you can't if it wasn't for the past and the space program history, you wouldn't have a job as a current engineer. I mean, we probably wouldn't be as far as we were if it wasn't for a past. You just didn't spring out of nowhere. <laughs> so it all had to start somewhere. Somebody has to keep the flame burning, and that's what I'm trying to do with my organization and with other organizations who are joining joining in in the fun, such as uh, National Space Society's uh, OASIS, Los Angeles chapter. Uh, you might know Seth Potter. Um, he's the, he's Dr. Seth Potter. He's the president of of Oasis, and uh, he and I have been working on both supporting each other in making this convention something real special. We are also hoping other space organizations will join in and help us as well, because this could be a really good premium uh, event. For the space program, past, present, and future, locally for us, well, there th- aren't a lot of local, local space conventions out there. That's true. There aren't. Most of them are focused on space fantasy. You know. Yes, uh, and that's th- fine and dandy. I don't think you can have the chicken without the egg. Personally, well, that's true. I don't think you can. <laughs> I looked it up, by the way, uh, and uh-huh. you were right. Uh, the first use of the Corning glass was on the 1961 Mercury spacecraft in the windows, not the nose cone. So I was, ah. I was, I was wrong. <laughs> I remember, okay. I remember mom give, you know, getting us excited about the, the dishware in the kitchen because that's the stuff that you made spaceships out of. No, well, really. Let's not forget, forget Corelware. 
the, the, the things they do in, 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 in these situations of experiments on the materials and stuff like that, make things, you could drop it and not break it. Part of that is what we get with the space program. They are the pioneers of our, of some of the things we use now. Um, a great deal of medical technology. Um, oh yeah, I mean medical sensors from from any any distance at all. Aerogel, right. fiber optics. Uh, oh yeah, aluminum. Uh, um, there's an aluminum uh, ceramic composite which that, is being that's touted. not transparent aluminum. That, that is, was from Star Trek. Yeah, that. No, yeah, they're, they're, but they're, it's I'm amazed. I, I think that I think that um, like the ion drive from spa, uh, from uh, a Star Trek, we have it today because somebody in TV's imagination, fertile imagination, came up with the term ion drive, and all of a sudden, somebody who's watching that show is going, "I can make that happen for real." Voila! Several years later, and a lot of education, we have the ion drive. We have our flip phones. We have our regular phones now, the smartphones. L- talk about big screens, <laughs> you Al- know. Aluminum oxynitride, otherwise known as transparent aluminum. <laughs> ah, there we go. You're funny. Well, you got you to gotta understand, you didn't want to burn up in space coming back down. You had to have something that was strong enough you could still see out of, but you wouldn't, wouldn't melt away and cause you to be burned up alive. Absolutely. So, oh, we've had that happen much to our woe. I, am yes. watch, I watched it. Ha- yeah, we've seen it happen a couple times on television ourselves in, in my memory and certain, certainly in, uh, the, within the memory of many of our listeners now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the other aspects of Outer Rimcon, because I don't think you can have the chicken without the egg, is that we add some science fiction to it and um, put science and science fiction together and see what explodes. That's <laughs> my thing. I, went, I, I love when I used to program uh, for Outer, for uh, Lost Con, I always loved to do those chicken or egg kind of panels where you put scientists and science fiction people together and let them fight it out. It's always entertaining and always brings people into the room. And I think that's part of why I included it. Plus my background's in the science fiction field as well as the science field. So I thought that that would be a good, you know, complement to what we're trying to do. So it is an all space. It, 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 there is some, some fantasy into it, but who's so, to so say that the about- next science fiction writer won't inspire a scientist to create something new? So what science fiction writers do you have lined up for Outer Rim Con? Well, we're still gathering all that information. So I wish I could say, all I can say is check out our website at OuterRimCon.com and see the latest updates. And uh, I can tell you who we have as featured guests. Um, uh, we have uh, Rod Pyle, who's well-known in the space industry. He's a space historian and uh, part of the National Space Society. Uh, he works with NASA at, at JPL and also is a uh, technical writer. I'm sorry. I need to do that part again. Um, he, Rod Pyle is a space historian. He's national space part of National Space Society. He works with uh, NASA and Jet Propulsion Laboratories. And he also is the author of books, on the history and technology of space exploration and science. 
So um, he's got a lot of interesting things to say. He's uh, very approachable. You can ask him questions. And he's an excellent panelist, and I hope people will check him out. And uh, one person we all know is, a con- is one of my featured guests, Rick Sternbach. Uh-huh. Um, he's going to be uh, one of our featured guests for the weekend. And um, he's an amazing man. He's a very good artist. He's a very humorous man, and um, he's involved in a uh, in a lot of different things and uh, space space and space science fiction related. And oh, yes. he's, he's a friend of mine. And they're both friends of mine. Really? And I really My goodness. Hope that come and check them out. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of interesting things to say um, and do. Yeah, video came Rick Stern, yeah, Rick, Rick Sternbach is a work, legend. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, there's so many science fiction book covers and work in Star Trek: The Next Generation and other TV shows. Mm-hmm. You may or may not well, remember his name, but you, everyone in the sound of our voice, has certainly seen his work. Yes, yes, um, he's a, a very amazing man. He is a very humorous man, and he's extremely talented. So I'm glad he he agreed to do this because um, I think he has a lot to say. I'm going to put him in a lot of interesting panels. He he and I need to discuss that. But I I love the fact that these two gentlemen are my featured guests because one brings in the science part, one brings in the science fiction part, and it's a perfect marriage. So also one of the other uh, guests I know is coming, uh, Aldo Spadoni, Mm -hmm. he's – he used to work um, for, um, excuse me, my memory's going. Um, it'll come to you. It'll come to me. Oh, well, Aldo Spadoni is also a, a space artist. And um, I have one of his pieces on my wall, but I don't know how to angle that. Well, it's not, it's video and it's not video <laughs> yeah. anymore. But he, he did online. a lot of covers for um, Larry Niven books. Wow. So, well, so did so did Rick. Yeah, very talented man. He was also when I was chair of uh, one of the Lost Cons at Lost Con thirty eight. He was my artist guest of honor. So um, that's where he's an amazing talent. Yeah, yeah. So you probably see him and go, "Oh yeah, I know it's your work." Well, that guy. He's also he's also going to have his artwork in our art show, and as well as some of. Um, some other very talented artists. Now that so is I'm really going to be a memorable forward. art show. Oh yeah. They did a great art show last year. Um, and they're going to do an even better one this year. So I, I'm really excited. Um, they belong to the, um, the AAAI, I think it's called, um, which is an artist space artist group of, of artists. And, uh, they're going to take over my art show. So, I wish them luck. I hope I hope they won't tire themselves out too much, but they did such a wonderful job last year, and they want to expand this year. So I'm really excited about that. So what else happens at Outer Rim Con? I can't imagine cosplay. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't imagine a bunch of scientists looking. I mean, costumes are welcome because there is science fiction involved. Um, dressing up as a 60s NASA scientist would be boring. Well, yeah, there exactly. Are, there are the spacesuits, you, know, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There, there, the yeah. spacesuits. Uh, um, I had just done a little bit of work for a a local effects company called Global Effects. Oh, they and, specialize, and in they space. specialize in the recreation of NASA spacesuits. Yes, uh, Jimmy worked for them short uh, for a short period of time. So mm. yeah, I heard I heard all about him. 
I know what kind of cool stuff they have, and um, I just it's amazing what they can replicate. Um, but well, you know, besides the panels, the presentations, we're, we're hoping to have some uh, special events and so forth. We hope to have a lot of robotics there, uh, not only for the STEM portion of our programming, but also for the adults to enjoy as well, because robotics is a fascinating thing. And I just love the idea of uh, maybe future travel with a, a, a robot of some kind helping and doing things on the, on the, tri- on the trip. So it's Boy, more, more like lost- my own words. So it's more like Lost in Space than Robot Wars, fortunately. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I'm all about discovery, not so much the black hats and the white hats fighting it out like many of our science fiction is, but um, more of, of uh, Star Trek Next Gen mm-hmm. going out and exploring. You know, did I tell you my dog's name is Data? <laughs> oh, that's marvelous. <laughs> so, yeah, when I when I rescued him, he came to me with that name. And when I, uh, we were fostering him, my husband and I, and I said... I said, we want to keep them. Both of us agreed. So I contacted the place and I said, what do we do? And they said, we'll send you the paperwork. All you do is change his name. I said, why would I want to change his name? I know. He he found the right people. He he found the right people. You know, my little space dog. (laughs) That's that's pretty awesome. uh, So he was already named Data when you got him. That's that's funny. It was like fate. It was like fate. I mean, he's just such a good boy. (laughs) But uh, back to the convention, (laughs) because I could talk about my dog and my bird forever. But um, so besides that, we'll have a dealer's room, as I mentioned, an art show. What we're hoping is uh, to step up our STEM events, um, have a space hat contest for young and old. Uh, You know, there's so much going on. A space hat contest? Yes, like create a space hat. It doesn't have to be a helmet, although it can be. You can make out any weird thing you want. So it's decorated and, in a theme of space or that you would wear yeah. in space? Because I, I don't yeah. see wearing yeah. much in space that isn't like a snood or something to hold your hair in. Oh, they, they're they not flattering. So if you got one of those things where you put little those uh, little uh, things you put on your head <laughs> with the space balls that float, fly around on, 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 um, on metal springs, that's fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well. <laughs> Because um, I'm all about the fun, but I'm also about the education. So I'm hoping that'll happen. Uh, I'm working on making it happen. Um, I'm also looking for people to volunteer and to staff and to help us out and make this uh, convention grow and become more and more popular. Uh, this is only our second year, so we're not very well known yet. And I'm hoping to uh, bring in a whole new org- uh, group of people to join us and make this uh, event uh, something that lasts for quite some time. So we need stuff like hashtags and, and uh, you know, social media communications. Oh, yeah, stuff I'm all doing myself. So anybody wants to volunteer to help me do that, I, I'm all power to you, man. Just contact me at Arlene at OuterRimCon.com, and I will put you to work. So hashtag Outer Rim Con, hashtag uh, corned beef sandwich. Half <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I, only I one know. R, by, by the way. way outer Outer Rim Con, when you spell it, it's Outer and then I-M and then C-O-N. So it's Outer Rim Con. Outer, outer Rim. Well, 
So the, the, the I, I R does double duty there. Next, well, I decided that two R's next to it was a little weird looking. Yeah, so well, I just it's enlarged clever. the R to include both of the R's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clever. It's phonetic. Yeah, Thank you. I like it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention the dates of this, I believe. Uh, they're uh, Saturday, October uh, 13th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Sunday, October 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I hope people will come on by and jo- join us for the fun, the education, volunteer, spend money, you know, help us to become what we should be, which is a, a mecca of learning. And, and enjoyment. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. I just, I, the last thing I did having to do with the space program was, I think it was 1980. Good heavens. 1980. Oh my God, gotta get back into it, man. Well, uh, so what I, what I was doing was I was working for a, 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 a movie miniatures company which i think is now out of business a brick price movie miniatures and we were building you made that that big old shuttle yes. Uh, model yes didn't you? we made that the we shuttle could crawl model. around inside that's the one the one that the was 90s, in downey yeah. yeah the one in downey that when i knew jim in the 90s we were volunteering at his you know nasa nights and i was standing there by the apollo 14 capsule and apollo 13 had just come out and i'm going well what can i say about apollo 14 and Eventually, I, I told the kids, you know, you saw the Apollo 13 movie. What would it be like to be the first guys to go up after that? How brave did they have to be? And the kids would go, Do you Whoa. remember the Apollo 17 and the crew? Yeah. Yeah. Apollo, yeah. No one does because yeah. Apollo 13, even though the other mission – here's my biggest thing. I don't want people to become complacent. It's like I uh, was at well, a we conference. Well, we did, didn't we? And, you know, that's why Apollo 13 was such a stunner. People were so complacent. Oh, yeah. yawn, another moonshot. Exactly. And, and well, then everything was, went sideways. And then Yeah, you know. and what, what happened was uh, I was at a, a, a space uh, event last Saturday, and one of my questions to the group, the, the panelists, was, how do you stop the complacency? My feeling was that, you know, if my personal experience is you've seen one space shuttle launch, you've seen a hundred space shuttle launches. And the same thing went with Apollo and all the others. After a while, people become complacent. So well, because- in order to keep the, keep the, um, enthusiasm, not, and, and the excitement about the program, certain things need to happen. People need to be excited about it. And one of the things that NASA did not do was do a lot of media. Media wasn't a big thing back then. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. If you have a disaster, you lose lives, or you have the first walk on the moon, or the first successful shuttle launch, or sorry to say and sad to say, uh, shuttle explosions, most people don't pay attention. They get complacent. They get blurry-eyed over the whole thing. And I don't want that to happen. I want the future of our space program. I want the past of our space program. I want everybody who's involved in the space program, men, women, engineers, whoever, to be noted for their participation in these events because we do get complacent and we do get tired of hearing of it. Oh, another space launch. Oh, okay. 
Well, and, then, and when well, everything the, goes when everything goes right, and it's supposed to, and we hope it does, mm-hmm. uh, that's not it's, automatically it's, a bad thing. Then, yeah, it's not it? automatically a bad thing. But you get a dozen successful launches with no glitches in a row, and people start to look at it and go, "Oh, but well, space travel is a normal thing now. This is normal. Exactly. This is exactly. this is just part of the background of of our lives. This is." This is the texture of our existence now. And then you get something like the Challenger accident. Well, let me tell you about my Challenger morning experience. I was watching the launch because I always watch launches because I'm a space kid. Even, even you know, in my 50s, I'm still a space kid. But um, only one out of the three broadcast television networks was running it live. The other two were just la, 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 I'm with a, you know, Today Show or whatever. And... Uh, a hundred seconds in, they both clicked in pretty fast, but, you know, when, when 60% of your, your audience is somewhere else and not watching, then that, that is a symptom. And that's a symptom. It you, is. And that's a symptom you are addressing here. Right. I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, an event like this convention is probably being held every year. Um, is probably going to be the one place where you don't forget those people. The one, not, not only the ones that lost their lives, but the people who are forgotten, who, oh, we're on the 50th mission of whatever, and you don't even remember their name. You remember John Glenn, Neil Armstrong, mm-hmm. but children, people like that from the early part of the program. But what about the guys who are later on? The shuttle program people, you know, things like that. I mean, I couldn't rattle off anybody's name per se from the shuttle program, and I think that's sad. Well, you can uh, that- you can if you are a person of color and it's someone who matches your background. A young true young black women will know Mae Jemison. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's true. Um, I just feel like there has to be a place where people can culminate and and. Uh, Enjoy learning, enjoy entertainment, enjoy um, other aspects, can collect art stuff uh, or stuff from the, the the dealer's room of things that they maybe they're missing from their own collection, things like that. Mm. I think that it's important for us never to forget all these people because without them, we would we would have SpaceX right now. I mean, Elon Musk is a fanboy. Yeah, he, oh, he, yes, he is. stuff. He's trying to make everything that was written in the science fiction world come true. And man, well, I maybe not everything. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll try. He may not always succeed, but he's doing pretty well right now. Watching those two space, watching those two Dragon Nine boosters land, stick their landings Perfectly. on that last oh launch. The reusable oh, spacecraft. Holy cow! Who's not excited about that? Holy cow! I, I thought, oh my. God, this is the last time we saw this was in uh, a 1959 uh, uh, sci-fi movie, movie, a George Powell movie, (laughs) where they did this, and now we're doing it for real. Yeah, he hires the people who knows how to do it, and he puts the money in it, or he gets it financed, and he makes it happen. And that's the future. That's the future of the space program. I mean, space mining, all these things are coming to coming to the forefront now. Um, and even space tourism. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on. And did you know there was such a thing as space tourism? I did. And uh, yeah, if I wanted to spend my house, I could sign up. I know. Sweetie, I don't think your house would be enough. Yeah, Yeah, space tourism is a million dollar ticket. Yeah. You know, it's at the moment. And it's uh, the the sensation, the, the original emotion that you have. Uh, when you first discover the, that final frontier, when you come face to face with that, there's mm-hmm. no substitute for that. And that no. finding that original emotional note, I think, is what this is all about. It, it helps us return to that elemental wonder that made us fall in love with, uh, with space exploration and in a broader sense, science fiction in general. Right. And now with privatization, um, there, there, there's so much excitement in the field. More people are becoming, uh, astrophysicists and, um, women are getting more involved, which is exciting. There's still not enough of them, but that's one of the things we'll tackle in one of the panels. <laughs> um, you know, women in space, women in the, in the industry. Um, and I, I believe that Space tourism will be affordable at one time. Um, there's so many um, things out there that are being worked on right now. Bezos and 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 Elon Musk all working towards similar goals. Not exact, uh, not exactly the same. Uh, Bezos wants to do space tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, Elon Musk wants to ex- explore the stars and settle Mars. And um, then where do we go? We have this colony on Mars. Then what? Do we just stop doing things like we stopped going to the moon after that? You know, after a while, we didn't actually put a settlement up there or anything. So now people are saying, let's focus on the moon instead of Mars. There's so much controversy, so much information, so many things that people don't hear on the news at a regular basis um, that I think that they need a place to ask their questions, to listen to uh, people who know the answers mm-hmm. or can uh, uh, figure out what the answers are. And I think that uh, keeping this alive, keeping uh, the excitement alive is what keeps complacency away. Well, and, and, and uh, the Earth sciences, the, ma- the uh, satellites that have their eyes on the Earth for good reasons, uh, for science reasons, for helping people reasons like uh, communication and weather satellites. Wouldn't Something be able to that, do what we're doing now if without them. Well, this is true. Here's a, I, here's a, few, here's a cute story. I was at a STEM event for um, Outer Rim Con. It's a short story. Outer Rim Con and... Um, <laughs> And um, the Aerospace Legacy Foundation. And this little six-year-old boy came up with his mother. And uh, he was looking at all the models that I have. Jim's major collection of models. Only a small fraction on the table. And he he was mouth open. And I turned to his mother and I said, is he interested in the space program? Oh, yeah. So I turned to the little boy and I said, what do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that goes out into space? Or do you want to be the one that that um, works on it on Earth to help those to get out into space? He goes, I want to be one of the ones that make it happen. Oh, oh. that's our boy. There you go. There you go. It's an engineer world, and um, even the astronauts are engineers. 
So, you know, can't do it without the people doing the mechanical stuff. Arlene Busby, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Event Horizon. The event is Outer Rim Con, and it's going to be October 18th and 19th. Is that? No, no. October 13th and 14th. 13th and 14th. October 13th and 14th. That'll be October 13th and 14th, 2018, in beautiful Downey. Yes, at that's the in, Columbia that, Memorial Space Center, that's a beautiful in, location. That, that's in California. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this important event. Thank you very much for having me. It was fun. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Episode 201 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for July 21st, 2018. Our guest today has been Arlene Busby convention chair of Outer RimCon, the science and science fiction convention being held October 13th and 14th in Downey, California, and dedicated to space and space exploration. This episode will air again on July 22nd at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you liked this evening's program and you enjoy listening to Krypton Radio, please visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and contribute 2 or $3 a month. We live or die on your contributions, and we appreciate your support. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2018 by the Krypton Media Group, Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.